She is a successful author with a global ministry based on prayer and a passion for seeing people live a life connected to Jesus. She's Melody Mason, I'm John Bradshaw, and this is our conversation. Melody, thanks so much for joining me. I'm glad to have you here. Thank you. Thank you. It's a privilege to be with you. Well, we're going to talk about a couple of books that you've written. We're going to talk about your global prayer ministry. Before we get to that, let's rewind a little bit. Talk about you and your origins and your background. So who's Melody Mason? Where are you from? Well, I'm a country girl that grew up in the Ozarks of Arkansas. Um, just very thankful for that. Um, I was actually... Uh, blessed to be raised in a Christian home, God-fearing home, and I think that that has made a world of difference uh, in my youth and also in my adulthood. I remember growing up with with my parents teaching me scripture songs and, and my father reading the Bible and making worship just come alive to us, and just such a such a joy and privilege to be with a family that loved the Lord. Of course, I didn't realize when I was young how blessed I was. So your Christian experience, was it always on the up and up and up and up? Was, was it ideal? What I'm saying is you're an author now. You, 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 you run with a pretty high-altitude crowd. Were you always that kind of Christian, or did you have? To, was there some real growing pains? Yeah, so, so kind of to back up and give some background on my, on my spiritual journey. So thankful for the home and all of that, but... God really took me through this experience. Of course, I was 12 years old when I gave my life to Christ, and so I made decisions pretty early, like, I want to be a missionary, I want to serve God, I want to work for Him. But I didn't really understand, of course, and you know, as a child still, what does it mean to, to serve God? What does it mean to, to pray, to study, those, to study the Bible really for yourself? So I really feel like... <clears throat> For a while, especially during my teenage years, I was learning what it means to have a walk with God and all of that, um, but still on a very superficial level. And as I went through life and, you know, in, in my high school years and then even into college, and this is where things are going to begin to change, so that's why I'm kind of trans or fast forwarding uh, to college, um, I began to, to notice, you know, how, you know, people when they come into the church, you see how joyful they are. I'm talking about new people, you know, that they've been in the world, not with Christ. And I would watch people come to the church, you know, tears coming down their faces and praising God for the joy that they've had. And it began to kind of hit me, in, you know, in effect, I'm like, why doesn't it affect me that way? You know, like, I know Jesus died for my sins. I know he died to save me. And, and I've asked him to forgive my sins, but it, it wasn't touching my heart. And so... Um, I started praying, uh, maybe a dangerous prayer, but you know, when, when you pray, God works in unusual ways. I said, Lord, please, please show me what it means, what the cross means for me personally. Mm, okay. Why, you know, why did you die for me personally? I know it intellectually, but it's not really, like I said, pierced my heart. And so I started praying that prayer, but God didn't answer that initially. He actually allowed me to go through some really, really hard times. And I'm talking about um, the fact where I'm a good Christian. I'm, you know, quote unquote, people would look at me and say, oh, yeah, you're the model student. And, 
and you do this right and you do that right and all these different things. And, and I actually felt like I was a good Christian too. You know, I'd look around and I had friends. I actually had a lot of friends in um, high school and even in college that, that would come to, come to me for advice. I was a spiritual leader. I was doing this. I was leading Bible study, um, scripture memory programs and things, even when I was in, in high school and college. And so I was known as, you know, the good girl and the spirit, spiritual leader. But people would come to me, and, and I would, you know, kind of think, and it wasn't like I, I had this, like, arrogant spirit or whatever, but like, oh, man, praise the Lord, I'm, I don't have issues like they do, you know, and praise the Lord, you know, oh, I haven't done stupid things like that, or, you know, I would, I would think these things, but God began convicting me, like, do you really understand who you are? Do you really understand the sinner that you are? Do you really understand who I am to you? And I recognized I didn't. And so that's when I started praying that prayer, show me the cross. And God allowed me to go through some really serious, I won't go into details on all of that situation, but some really serious heartbreak and disappointment and come to a point in my life where I felt like God had failed me. Okay, I'm doing everything right, and I'm seeking to serve you, and, and I'm praying, and I'm, I'm going through the motions, reading my Bible and all those things, but, but um, he failed me. And because of a result of this very difficult situation that I walked through, I lost faith in God. Um, I knew he was still real. I knew he was still alive. I never doubted that. And so it was never like I wanted to run off and, you know, go serve the devil or, or, or go into the wild things. But I, was, I kind of find myself in, in, in between a rock and a hard place because I felt like I can't go serve the enemy. Obviously, I don't want to do that, but I can't trust God either. You know very well, you've interacted, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming this, but it's a safe assumption, you've met a lot of people in that situation. Mm-hmm. What you're talking about now, Absolutely. there are people saying, oh, that's me somehow God's not real or he's real for somebody else and he's not real for me or he answers somebody else's prayers and here I am with this situation that's grinding along. I want to know how you worked through that. Yeah. Well, this is this was a long process, actually, to be honest, um, because what happened as a result of this crisis of faith, I call it, you know, kind of like uh, I've heard it called the dark night of the soul where you're just going through this wrestling and like is, you know, I've grown up with this, but now I've got to figure out for myself, is, is God really who I'm going to serve? Is he really who I'm going to give my life to? You know, I'm, I'm struggling for myself. Is this really going to be my faith? And so I'm wrestling with this. And um, for a while, like I said, I, I stopped reading the Bible. I stopped praying. Um, and as a result of that, I, I got into you know, destructive thought patterns, um, destructive entertainment patterns, you know, to kind of fill the ache and void in my heart and begin to spiral kind of out of control. And, and about the time this was happening, I was just graduating. I had just actually graduated from university. I became a nurse. That's kind of a long story how I ended up becoming a nurse because I had some other things I thought I was going to end up doing. But I had uh, graduated um, from the university and was just starting to work as a nurse about the time that my spiritual life was really tanking. And so I ended up in about two years of serious depression. Mm. And when I say serious depression, I was actually um, at, at a point in time where I was wondering, is, is life even worth living? You know, do I even want to go on living? And I'd 
don't think I could have ever done something, but at the same time you have those thoughts in your mind like, would there be any way, you know, that I could do something that it wouldn't look like I had done something, you know, and, and I'd just be over. But of course, I, I knew intellectually, you know, God, God is real and, and I, I still believe, you know, but I'm trusting. So in this whole process, um, I, I really believe God allowed me to walk through the circumstance so I would kind of come to the end of myself, mm-hmm. the end of my own self-sufficiency, the end of my pride. And I'm not saying I don't still struggle with pride because I do. We all, we all have those issues with pride. But just recognizing how desperately I needed a Savior personally and, and what he's done for me. And so I, um, I just basically, let me share this one one story that's so precious to me. I was rock bottom. Like, like I'm, I'm going to do something stupid if something doesn't happen. I'm just so absolutely low. And a lot of people would probably be surprised um, to hear this testimony. I haven't actually shared it very much um, because it's so personal. But I'm at this very low spot in my life. Um, my family was off doing something. I was not in the right mood to be part of it. And so they had gone. So I was home alone and just thinking very dark thoughts and hadn't, like I said, really been praying or reading the Bible or anything like that. It was raining. I took off into the rain, no coat, no jacket, no anything. And I'm just crying. And, and I remember thinking to myself, well, at least God's crying with me because it's raining. <laughs> you know, so no, nobody can see my tears because I'm just crying. So I take off walking in the rain. And I just love the fact, and I'm sorry, I'm just going to get a little teary here as this comes back. I love the fact how personal God is, even when we're not really praying and seeking out to him. He hears our prayer. He hears our prayer. And so I have not even really been praying or anything. But in my heart, I was crying out to God. And I was like, God, do you, can you still do anything with my life? Have I completely lost it? Do you still have a purpose for me? Because I feel like I've completely lost it. Now, keep in mind, I haven't been praying. I haven't been having this connection with God. So I didn't really feel like God was hearing or answering. He's betrayed me, all these things. I had all these things going on. And so anyway, uh, I didn't know I'd need a Kleenex, but good thing I brought one. Uh, So (laughs) anyway, um, I'm out walking in the rain, praying. I'm not praying, crying. But God hears that cry. And... Right when I kind of said that in my heart, actually, the the clouds above me, it's raining, 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 actually parted. And I'm not saying this is like the Jesus baptism experience, but actually the sun came down on me where I was in this big circle, like this 50-foot circle. And just like, you know, the lights above us. And I remember looking up into the into the sunshine and tears coming down my face and it's raining around me but actually there's sunshine right here where I am and I was like does that mean yes does that mean you can still do something with my life does that mean you still have a purpose for me and I was just like it was like the first ray literally of sunshine the first ray of light literally that I had felt for months in my life like God was speaking like yes I haven't forgotten you. I still have a purpose for you. I still have a plan for you. And that was the beginning of my healing restoration journey where I just went back and I was like, okay, Lord, you know, we have to start at the beginning here. We're going to take baby steps 
And uh, I'm just going to start again reading your word, and you show me from your word who you are and what you are in my life and what you want to do, and just help me to believe. And I'm, I'm going to believe. Help me. And so, you know, there were many different things that came together, but that was really the beginning of the healing journey. That moment that the sun shone, how convinced were you then or how did you feel then about God's acceptance? Did you say, oh, the switch has been flipped and I suddenly feel hope? Or was it more a situation of, okay, I feel like I'm going to be able to feel hope? Mm. Well, there is a Bible verse, um, I think it's Hebrews 10.35, um, that says, cast not away your confidence. There is a reward. That's what, it, that's what it, the verse is actually saying. Don't cast away your confidence. There's a reward. And I had memorized it in years past. And as the sunshine was shining on me, that verse popped into my mind. And I hadn't really been thinking these verses, obviously, you know. And so I really did feel like that ray of hope, like God was saying, you know, yeah, there's hope. I'm still here. And it, it kind of hit me in a way like he's been here all along. I just haven't been listening. I haven't been accepting. I haven't been, you know, looking for him. And so, of course, he hasn't, you know, he's he's waiting for me to call on him, but he's still here. So take a moment to talk to the person who right now is, is where you were, sort of without hope, drifting, um, y- you realized then in that moment, God was actually with me. If only people could realize that in the depths of their despair, God is actually with them. What would you say to that person? Now? What, what would you say to that melody? Mm. If you had a chance to, to, to confront the you then with the benefit of what you know now, what would you have told yourself? Well, God's ways are not always our ways. And the things that I was actually crying about were actually for my best good <laughs> that God go. did not allow. Yep. And I am so grateful looking back close to 20 years now since that happened, that God did not answer the broken heart that I had at the time in the way that I wanted him to answer it. Because if he had, it wouldn't have been his story. He knows the best. His ways are perfect. In fact, in my Bible this morning, I think it's ironic. You're, you're just bringing this up and it just clicks with me. I was reading Psalms 1830, and it says, as for God, his way is perfect. Yeah. And that was really, I mean, that's what God has showed me. At the moment, it didn't feel perfect. At the moment, it felt betrayal. It felt like, you know, God's abandoned me, and, and he doesn't love me, and he's forgotten me, and why did he allow such and such to happen to me? That's what it felt like in the moment. But now, looking back, I, I, I do see more. And, of course, I don't, obviously, I'm not God. I don't see the full picture, but I see that God is good. And so what I think I would say to that person that's out there struggling is God is good. And if even if we can't see the moment, keep trusting him. There's a promise in Romans 8, um, Romans 8, 18 that says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Beautiful. You know, we're not always going to see in this life necessarily those answers, but we are in the future. Um, But we can trust God. He is good. And all throughout his word, we see that he's good. But the problem is, is we base our spiritual experience on our emotions and on our feelings. And it doesn't feel like he's good. It doesn't look like he's good. And so he must not be good. When his word tells us he is, and if we will just give him time, we will see that he's good. And that's faith. Amen. Trusting what the Bible says. Amen. Trusting what the word says. And 
You've written a book that, that, that speaks about living by every word. We're going to get to the books because there's two books, and we'll mm-hmm. talk about both of them. But somewhere along the way, this, this young woman who went through this difficult, most like a Gethsemane experience, you know, where you're hanging on desperately, wondering if you can get through. And now you, you, you have a global ministry um, centering on prayer. This is the fast-forward part, but how did, how did that open up, that you, you found yourself in the center of prayer ministry? Yeah, kind of ironic. Um, so just to, to back up, as I came out of the situation, I started saying, Lord, okay, I want a deeper experience with you. I really, I really want to know the real you. I don't want just a superficial relationship. And so basically God started taking me to his word every day and just opening. I, I just opened the Bible every morning with tears coming down my face and just like, Lord, make this real to me. Lord, make this real to me. I, I want to know you personally. I want to see you working in my life. I, I, I want to know real. And so I really started praying. I don't want the superficial experience that I've had up till now. I mean, I don't feel like I was insincere as a young adult. I was, I was, you know, a teenage and, and early adulthood seeking God, but I didn't really, I didn't really grasp for more. And there's a promise of um, Ephesians 3.20, one of my favorite promises that says, Now unto him that's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think. And so God started challenging me, um, don't just ask for what you think you want or you think you should be asking for. Ask me for what what, what you should be asking for, <laughs> you know, and ask me to do more. And so that's when I really started started praying and 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 just saying, "Take me deeper. I want I want more of you." And that is kind of what began to launch me into that whole aspect of um, daring to ask for more and and the prayer ministry, which yeah. I'll be delighted to share with you. Yeah, fantastic. Well, we must talk about it. We must talk about prayer ministry. I want to ask you about answers to prayer. Mm-hmm. I've got some questions about prayer that I know many people have that. Um, but prayers are sort of a messy science, you know. You can you can get into prayer and wonder why things aren't happening that you feel like should be, wonder why things are happening you feel like shouldn't be. Right. And none of that represents that God is not at work. It just represents, I think, sometimes we our understandings will slow at catching up with God. So we're going to talk about daring to ask for more, for more. Uh, we'll talk about praying big prayers and daring to live by every word. These are fabulous books and looking forward to finding out more about them. I am glad you are here for this with Melody Mason. I'm John Bradshaw. This is our conversation brought to you by It Is Written. Thursday, August the 5th, 2010 was not a happy day for 33 men when a collapse in a mine in Chile buried them 2,300 feet below ground. No matter how much they tried to escape, there was no way out. Rescue would have to come from above. On the outskirts of the San Jose mine, over two and a half thousand people gathered. And with each failed rescue attempt, despair increased. Families gathered together to pray for a miracle. From the Atacama Desert comes a story of tragedy, a story of uncertainty, Yet a story of courage, hope, and ultimately, a story of salvation. Wait on the Lord, and the miracle will come. Camp Hope. 
Watch now on It Is Written TV. Welcome back to Conversations brought to you by It Is Written. My very special guest today is Melody Mason. Not only is she a successful author, but she is a prayer ministry leader with a global prayer ministry. Melody, I want to ask you about prayer. Simplest thing in the world, talk to God. Mm -hmm. Simplest thing in the world. Makes me wonder why more people don't do it because it is that simple. Am I making it too simple or is there a little more to it than that? No, it's it's extremely simple, just like talking to your best friend, you know, recognizing, you know, we serve the God. I, I love the concept of the fact he tells us in his word that he numbers the stars, he calls them all by name, and yet he cares about the sparrows. He cares about how many hairs there are on our head, and he cares about what's in our hearts. And we don't have to wait in line to talk to God like you would if you were speaking to an earthly president or an earthly king. We can come right to him boldly. And we're told we can come boldly to his presence. And we can come boldly because of the blood of Jesus who has made an avenue for us to come and approach the throne of the king of the universe. Now someone's listening to you and thinking, well, she makes it sound so simple, but it's just not that simple for me. Why do you think, and we talk all day about this, but why do you think that maybe one or two reasons so many people struggle with prayer, like it's a difficulty. I think, um, well, one reason is oftentimes because we don't understand God's great love for us. And oftentimes it's been because it's been distorted or, or perverted by humankind and the abuse you know, that we live with in the, in the broken and sinful and fallen world. And so it's hard to trust for example, if you haven't had a loving earthly father, how do you trust a loving heavenly father? So that's one thing. Um, but another thing is is we just haven't really understood how personable God is. Yes, he is our king, but he tells us in his word, come, reason, talk to me. You know, I'm, I'm here. And um, just seeing him as a personal friend, um, the, the God that, that wants to be part, I mean, it's like, I say this, you know, if you're married and I said, you know, well, um, do you tell your wife you love her? Well, you know, I told her once. I don't need to keep telling her. You know, I told No, you know, obviously that husband-wife relationship, you want to continue to communicate that love and you want to continue. Oh, yeah, well, I don't have to tell you what I'm doing or, or whatever, you know. No, we communicate that because we love each other. And the same is with God, you know. God knows our thoughts. He's our creator and all of those things. But God loves the communionship, and he actually is, is reaching out, drawing us to commune with him, drawing us to talk with him. And so just recognizing that personableness of it, it's just made such a difference. And it's not, you know, for me personally, it's not just like waking up in the morning and, oh, I have my prayer time and stuff like this. It's actually as I go through my day, you know, as I'm driving, as I'm working, I'm in a situation and someone's asking me a question. I'm like, dear Lord, help me. As you're mm-hmm. asking me questions, sure. I'm like, dear oh, yeah. Lord, please help me. Show me yeah. what, you know. And that is that communion that we can have. It's that abiding relationship, actually, where you take time in the morning specifically. I don't want to neglect that because right. that is very significant. You know, if we don't go to the to the fountain of living waters and say, fill my cup. You know, my cup is empty. I mean, my cup is a, is leaks. It got holes in it. 
And so he fills our cup, but it's continually leaking just because of the flawed, sinful human nature we are. But we continue to go back and fill it, fill it, fill it. And so he gives us what we need, and we go through our day, and he, he gives us what we need as we continue to turn our eyes heavenward. Yeah, good. All that's fine. And it is fine. Amen. Mm. But what people want to know mm. is how do they get their prayers answered? Grandma's got dementia, and we want to see that wound back. My spouse has cancer. My kid is going off the rails. How do we get our prayers answered? I think there's a very important part of, for one, coming coming to God just as we are, not coming trying to make ourselves presentable to him, coming as a needy, dependent, hungry child. You know, he says um, that he feeds the poor and the needy. He says, if you thirst, you'll find me. So I tell people, come as you are and just ask, ask the Lord, you know, Lord, I, I'm coming to you. I'm, I'm pleading that you would help me. I'm pleading. Is there something possibly that's coming between me and you? Um, is there something that's getting in the way? You know, oftentimes we feel this this wall between us and God. And to be honest, I mean, it, it's uncomfortable and it steps on toes. But honestly, it's because sometimes we've allowed things to breach that communication or to get in the way. And the Bible tells us if we are holding on to sin, he doesn't hear us. Now, I when I share this, I don't want people to, oh, I'm a sinner, then he's not going to hear me. No, he, he's there, and, and even before you call, the Bible says he's there. But if we are holding on to a known sin, and we are holding on to grievances or even unforgiveness, there's that wall springs up. And so I really, something I talk a lot about in Daring to Ask for More, I, I think I have a, a whole chapter, maybe two chapters on the whole topic of removing breaches. Because we just go through life and thinking, oh yeah, we can, whatever, God, why aren't you hearing me? But we're living our life in disobedience. We're living our life in a way that blasphemes his name. We're, you know, and, and so that's a very, very significant part of it. And another significant part of it is, is persevering. We know in, in God's word that it's his will to give us victory over sin. We know it's his will to come to us in time and need. He promises those things. Um, And we actually know that it's his will for us to have health and healing. But let me add this. We don't always know the timing of his will on that. Um, Sometimes that's immediately. I've prayed for people and I've seen them healed. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes that's gradually. I've prayed for people and I've seen it's taken a while. Sometimes it's not going to be until the second coming. Um, I've prayed for people and I've watched them die. So I'm not God. I don't know necessarily what... His timing is on those things, but I do know that we still can seek persistently for those things, for healing, for, for loved ones you're praying, for, for, for job, for help, for wisdom. You know, God tells, tells us in his word, if you lack wisdom, ask. And, you know, I've had some people even recently just ask me, well, what about this? What about this? I don't have the answer to that. I can't answer your questions on what you should do here or what you should do there. But God says in his word that he will give us wisdom if we ask. And so I would even encourage you with this serious situation 
to take a few days, you know, maybe three or four or maybe even a week and fast and pray and say, Lord, help me. And when I say fast and pray, let me clarify. Sometimes that means food, but sometimes that just means we need to turn off the entertainment. We need sure. to turn off the TV. Mm-hmm. We need to put away our, 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 our phone and really focus. We are in a culture that is so busy and, and, and bombarding us with so many things that we, we, we aren't always focused as we should be. I wonder, too, if sometimes people like me and maybe you and maybe others make, it, make a mistake. I mean, when people pray, um, there's value in the prayer. Mm-hmm. Whether grandma gets well or not, the right. important thing is that you are connecting with God. Amen. Another thing, too, is I want to hear what you think about this. Um, you can pray for something obvious, logical. Oh, God would certainly want that. Mm-hmm. But we're not God, are we? Right. And we come to prayer as very incomplete, mm-hmm. as in, incomplete people. Mm-hmm. And we're talking to this majestic, all-knowing God who does know what's best. So I think we go back to what you said before. At least I want to. Trust is a really important part yes. of this, isn't it? Amen. I want my child to get well, but I'm going to trust you anyway. Mm-hmm. Whether she does or not, I trust you anyway. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the answer isn't the most important thing. Right. Be the connection and the communion and the conversation with God is the most important thing, and then trusting that He'll that He'll work it out yeah. His way. Yeah, there, there's so many there's so many different prayer stories that I could share, and we might talk we might talk about some, and we might not today. Um, many of them I have shared and written in, in the books, but something God has really showed me personally in my life, and you know, I told you about some dark experiences I went through with heartbreak and just really questioning God and. Out of that experience has bloomed such a, I mean, I feel like God took me from a baby Christian, and, and I'm still a baby Christian, but I mean, to, to growing me to be like, you can trust my word, even if I, if even, even if I don't come through as you think I should. That's a real big and, step. Yeah, and, and there are things in my life that I've prayed about and I've prayed for that I still haven't seen God answer, right. even after 20, almost 20 years on this journey. But God has showed me, I may not always give you answers, but I give you myself. And that correlates right with what you were just saying. And that has, yeah, that has been so profound for me personally. Like, that's what I want most of all. And after all, you know the big picture, you know what's best. Well, let's talk about answered prayer. It's real. Mm. God still works miracles. Mm. He will give us an answer to prayer, things he otherwise he might not if we hadn't asked. He will show himself mighty. So let's talk about what you've seen. Yeah, so God God led me into into prayer ministry kind of in a unique way. Um, I was praying and thinking, you know, after I had become a nurse that I was going to end up in the mission field in the jungle somewhere, maybe in South America. Oh, yeah. Like I say, I'm a country girl, and, and I like the rough it, tough it, and that was always what I was drawn to. Uh, but God led me uh, to get more involved with the church and called me into prayer ministry with the church and I began going and and really was convicted. There's there's a verse in Exodus seventeen twelve that talks about a story of of a battle that Israel had going on, and Joshua was fighting uh, with Israel against the Malachites, and Moses was up on the mountain, and his arms were lifted up, and he was praying. And as he's praying, and his arms are up, of course they're advancing, but his arms get weary, and he can't hold them up. And as he as they drop, the 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 Israelites are actually being defeated, and so. Aaron and her come along Moses and they hold up his arms. Mm. And as a result of that, of course, we know Israel won. 
that story, that, that little story from the Old Testament has made such a profound difference on me. As God was taking me deeper in my own personal walk with him, I felt him challenging me. Like I thought I was, like I said, mission field or this or that, and saying, Melody, um, I need you to intercede on behalf of the church. And I'm like, oh, whoa, God, you know, what, what does that mean on behalf of the church and on behalf of leaders? What does that mean? And he started impressing me with things. Um, and that is, you know, go um, to our church headquarters and, and, and just intercede, with, intercede for our leaders. And I'm not saying to go and pray with them, but go and pray for them. Hold up their arms. You know, so many times today, well, just the reality is anyone that is in ministry and especially seeking after God is being attacked very viciously because you're on the front lines of spiritual warfare. You're on the front lines of the battle and our pastors especially. And so I ended up, kind of long story short, ended up working uh, with the church and going in. I brought prayer teams in, sometimes eight people, sometimes ten people, and we would come in for 21 days at a time. And we would come significant, specifically actually, when there were significant meetings that were happening in the church. You know, decisions about how the mission of the church is going to be advanced and how things are going to go forward. So we'd come in as a prayer team like 10 days before the meetings would start, and we would start praying, and we got permission. God worked out all the logistics and everything to come in. We would come in at like 3 o'clock in the morning and and walk through the building, praying over each department, praying over all of uh, the administrators and leaders by name, and just pleading that God would work. And we began to see him working in, in, in many amazing ways amazing, beautiful ways. But here's a couple quick examples. I remember it was 3.45 in the morning one morning, and one of my teammates was like, you know, dear Lord, you know, we're here lifting up the arms of our leaders, and, and, and please take them deeper. And if there's anything maybe that's coming between you and them, you know, show them, help them to, to get up right now and, and, and repent and make it right because we know, as I was just talking about, those things, those spiritual breaches can hold back the blessing of God. That very day, someone, and I'm not trying to be specific here, but someone posted on the church website and they made a personal appeal. And they said, at 3.45 this morning, I was awakened out of my sleep and convicted with some things that weren't right in my life. And I got on my knees and confessed. And I'm appealing to all of you to do the same. And I was like, oh, my word, look at Look at this. I mean, we're really not going to know until eternity how God's answering all our different prayers. But it was just a little sliver that I felt God was showing us. Look at, I'm working. I heard that prayer at 345 this morning. Oh, yeah. I'm working. Yeah. So we're praying. We're going through praying hours at the morning. We'd actually be in the offices from 3 until 7 when everyone came in. And then we would leave and, and go rest and have our own time with God before we'd come back in the afternoon and pray some more. But we were doing this for 21 days at a time. We saw God... Um, yeah, so many miracles from from taking uh, entire, you know, how, how our church is divided up. There's actually divisions around the world, you know, like 13 different divisions, and some of them have millions and millions of people in them. And, and the tithe, people aren't paying the tithe. They're bringing in like 23% tithe, and as faithful Christians, we should be bringing in 100%. We should be all tithing. That's right. And so leaders, you know, we're praying with leaders who are in, in um, some overseas divisions that are only bringing in 23% tithe, the next year they come back. And they've taken this whole emphasis on prayer and revival and reformation, and they've been 
praying with their leaders and, and praying uh, you know, around the division and, and preaching revival and reformation. They come back with a new report, 103% tithe. Oh, well. <laughs> I remember when they brought that you know, at the next executive meetings and everybody's like, what in the world? How did this happen? It's because we went back and we were really, really praying. And God sh- began to show me through these things, you know, Melody, you might not be, and I'm not claiming this for myself because many, many people are praying, but the fact we are praying and we're just lifting up the arms of our leaders, you might not be able to touch the, you know, however many million people there are out there, but if you will continue holding up the arms of our leaders, I want to do more through them. And I want to, I want to be that standard raised up against the, the enemy that's coming in trying to destroy and trying to discourage and, and I have so much more. Oh, the story's going on. There was a there was a, a man as we're going in to pray in the building, like the security guard, and stops us in the morning. And when we first started doing this, we started in 2012. So this has gone on for, for about 10 years now. Uh, and, and the security guards weren't always excited to be disturbed at 3 o'clock in the morning with this prayer team coming in. But um, God began to break down the walls as time went on. And we would pray with them as we came in. And... A few years ago, I think this is about three years ago now, um, one of the security guards who previously didn't want us to pray for him was like, I need you to pray for me. And my wife has cancer. She mm. has breast cancer, and it's all over her body, and I don't know what we're going to do. So we started praying for him. But you know what? Even after all the miracles I've seen, and I'm just talking right now about church ministry because I've also been part of a Bible conference, and we've seen God work many miracles in their lives as well. After all these miracles I've already seen over the last several years in ministry, my faith is still weak. And I'm like, well, Lord, please, if it could be your will, heal this man's wife. But if not, please give them strength to walk through the crisis. So we pray, we pray, we pray. We, we fin- finish, go through the whole time. The last day we come in a little bit late. And he's like, oh, I wasn't sure if you were going to come in yet. I was afraid I was going to miss you. He says, we went back to the doctor and all the tumors are gone, completely gone. Wow. And I said, God cares even about the doorkeeper. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Powerful, powerful. Well, we want to talk about the books. I want to ask, oh, look, I'll, I'll ask you a, a long, this requires a long answer, but we've only got a few seconds. You have to keep it short. You got into writing, you've written two books. How have you enjoyed the process of, of writing two pretty substantial books? <laughs> it's been a very, very challenging, challenging process. <laughs> yeah. uh, it seems like God has brought you through. We'll talk about the books in just a moment. They're, they're worth your time reading Daring to Live by Every Word your second book Mm -hmm. correct and your first book Daring to Ask for More which is going to suggest to you maybe you can confidently pray bigger prayers back in a moment with more from Conversations brought to you by It Is Written He had it all extravagant wealth immense power and wisdom far greater than any person before him. He'd seen the glory of God, had spoken personally with God, and was told by God he could have anything he wanted. But as his focus shifted over time, his life collapsed. As he contemplated his existence, he concluded that all was vanity. Don't miss great characters of the Bible, Solomon, as we look at the story of the wisest man who ever lived. A man who wrote three books of the Bible. A man who was revered by monarchs and feared by his enemies. The man who constructed what may have been the most beautiful temple ever built and yet turned away from faithfulness to God. But God didn't turn from him. The story of Solomon is a tragedy and a victory. Don't miss 
great characters of the Bible. Solomon, brought to you by It Is Written TV. Welcome back to Conversations brought to you by It Is Written. My guest is Melody Mason, who is the author of, among other books, this one, Daring to Ask for More. Melody, I like what it says on the front cover, Divine Keys for Answered Prayer. So tell me about this book, Daring to Ask for More. Yeah, amen. Well, this, uh, uh, of course, blossomed out of my own personal journey and walk with God. Uh, as I'm spending time with God personally, um, I began to, to make challenges to God and just like, Lord, I want to see you working in my life. I want to see you answering my prayers. I began seeing him answer my prayers. Is, is it fair to ask out of God, I want to see you do more for me? He says, and his word prove him. He says, test me. Here we go. See if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that you can't receive it. So he does. So as long as you're receiving it capably, you can always <laughs> ask for more. Well, he, he does say that we do ask amiss. You know, we ask for our own lustful. So, you know, I, I tell people, God wants us to ask for mansions, but I'm not talking necessarily about physical mansions. You know, we'll have the physical mansions in heaven. He wants us to ask for the spiritual, you know, the spiritual mansions, the spiritual experience. Which calls into question motive in prayer, doesn't it? It does. You know, nothing wrong with praying for a million dollars or $10 million or a billion dollars. Nothing wrong with that. But what do you want that for? Right, exactly. For, for whose glory? Right, for uh, whose glory. It's all yeah. about who, for whose glory. Sure. And so that's that's a huge thing. And I have recognized that there's things that I have prayed for that have not been for his glory. And he had to show me that. Yeah. And and you see in hindsight. But So Daring to Ask is really about teaching people how to grow their devotional life, grow their walk with God, how to... Um, have the personal time with him, actually taking the time. You know, we have so many different priorities. I mean, so many different things that we're juggling that we have to prioritize. Um, But a big part is just really learning to take God's word. And I'll share something very, very practical that that began to make a difference with me. And I just, I share this for illustration. I began to take my prayers and I would write them down on these cards, just kind of like these flashcards that I have in my hands. And I would write my prayer on one side of the card, and then I would write a Bible promise on the other side of the card. And I would say, you know, Lord, this is what I'm asking for. Now, why am I doing this? For one, God tells us his word doesn't return unto him void. He tells us his word is forever settled in heaven. Um, he says he does not lie And I praise the Lord that he hears our prayers back to the motive. It's not about the eloquence. You know, I meet with people with prayer ministry all the time, and they're like, I can't pray pretty flowery prayers, you know, like so-and-so. I say God is not looking for flowery prayers. He's looking for the heart. Mm. So you come to him as that needy person, that beggar, just like, Lord, I need you. Help me. I don't even know what to say, you know. I didn't know what to say at one point either, and God heard my cry. So he's looking for the heart. So it's not about that. But this is about personally growing faith and confidence in God's word. And so I began to just put my prayer requests down on, on cards and and put the promises with them. And, of course, there's prayer requests that change every day, but I'm talking about, like, I'm really praying for specific things, whether it's someone's life to be changed or the ministry to go forward, or provision, actually. I don't have time to go into this whole story, but I actually went for four years 
of my life, I was working as a nurse. God called me into prayer ministry. He called me to walk away from my income. And so for four years before I was picked up uh, as an official um, employee with the church, I actually had no set income. And I would just be taking God's promises, and I would, I would take my bills and lay them literally across my Bible. And I'm like, Lord, you said here that you would provide for my needs, and here's my bill. I don't know how to pay. And God would pay it. He just, provided. He provided just time and time and time again. So I saw personally in my life for those years, and even now he keeps amazing you know, how things come through, and, and you pray, and you're like, oh, Lord, I, I don't know how we're going to get through this. And he provides back to this so significant i just want to encourage people i actually put together a uh, uh, hundred cards prayer and promise cards just to get people started so this is what this is and you can download these online um, and print them up i don't sell them it's a little bit of work to print them up but just taking the promises and and their promises to do with you know growing your spiritual life and putting away breaches you know those those things in our lives that we need to Remove from praying for the ministry or for the Holy Spirit. Now, praying for your children, that's a big one. You know, like, because sure. we have children we're praying for that aren't walking with God or, or don't love the Lord. Praying for, for things in your marriage, praying um, for times of trouble, for physical healing, for spiritual healing. You've hit a really important point, and that is the promises of God that you, you it's like cashing a check with that's God. That's right. You said you would provide for me. That's right. Here it is in Philippians 4.19. That's can you, right. Can you read this? Exactly. Can you read this? Exactly. If that's the case, I'm believing. And exactly. Then you've taken to God. Yeah. You've taken it to God, and you're expecting Him to do what He says. What other things have worked for you in your own devotional life, your own prayer life? Yeah. Another big thing um, for me, I think this is so foundational to our devotional life, is praise. We come to God so quickly with our requests, our needs, our complaints. Shopping list. Our shopping list. Yeah. And how do you as a parent feel like if that's all your kids come to you for or all your spouse comes to you for? It, 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 you know, it's like, um, do you still love me? Or is it just because of what I can give you that you love me? And God, just as he instilled in us the desire to be loved, also loves to be loved. And there are so many things in Scripture about worshiping his name and giving glory to his name. So, practical is just opening the Psalms and and praying through the Psalms in a personal way, like giving this praise to God and learning to not just pray the, pray the Psalms or pray the word, you know, and praise and Lord, thank you for, you've done this in my life. And Lord, I praise you, not just for, not just for what you do, but for who you are. You know, I say, Praise and worship and adoration is vertical. In other words, it has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with what ha- what is happening to me or what God is giving for me or blessing me. It has to do with who he is, his mm-hmm. character. We all love to be praised for, you know, you're a kind person. You're a thoughtful person. You're a generous person. You're, you know, whatever. This is worship and adoration to God, and he alone is worthy of our worship and adoration. Um, Thanksgiving has to do more with what he's done for me. He's provided this and he's done that. And so that's appropriate as well. But taking those times to worship God, to praise God, and even to sing. And, you know, I'm not a, a person that likes to sing a solo or anything, even though my name is Melody. I actually sing better harmony than Melody. But in my worship time, even this morning, I was singing 
quietly just in my room where I was staying and just, Lord, I, I give myself to you and I love you. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love you. It's just beautiful. Prayer is the soundtrack of a relationship with God. Amen. It's not that God is the tooth fairy or no. Santa Claus. We sit on his knee and ask him for a shiny red bicycle. Mm. It's the outflowing of a It's the communion that takes place within a very important relationship. Right. Daring to ask for more. More what? More of him. More of him. Amen. Yeah. Okay. Now, the second book. Uh, daring to live by every word. Mm-hmm. How did it come about? Why did you write it? I really feel like we're living in a culture that's disconnected. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm not just talking about the, the worldly culture. I'm talking about Christians, Christianity. We are professors of followers of Jesus. But when you talk about daily life and God's word, there's a disconnect. You know, there's conflicts going on. And God's word says to relate to conflict in one way. But when we relate to conflict, we go off this way and that way. Um, God's word says, you know, when it comes to how we relate with our money and the gifts that he's given us, we, you know, and we go off this way and we're, we're so self-centered. There's such a disconnect. You know, you walk into into some Christians' homes and, and it, it doesn't even, you wonder if, if they really are a believer. You can't really tell, you know. Uh, there was somebody a little while back, one of my colleagues in ministry was working with, and she says, I talked to this person the entire day, and it was not till the end of the day they told me uh, they were a believer. And I was witnessing them and, and sharing with them, and I never realized that they were a believer. And they finally admitted kind of shyly, yeah, well, I'm a believer too, and blah, blah. And you're like, and you didn't know that? No, you know. There's a disconnect in society. And I've, you know, God, as he's been challenging me in my own life, Melody, what do I say in my word? How are you living your life? I want to challenge people to really go back to the Word and and how is the Word affecting my life. So, real quick illustration. Um, A couple years ago, uh, my family built me a little uh, cabin on the property. That was another huge miracle God sent from God. But as we were putting that cabin together, I just really had a, a big burden that I want my home to be founded on the Word of God. And I'm not just saying this spiritually, I want it to be practical. And and how can I make it practical? So symbolically, as the cabin was going up and the rafters and and studs and everything were going up, I put strategic scripture around the house, built within the walls of the house to remind me. You know, for example, you know, we know in Revelation 3, Jesus says he's knocking at the door, waiting to come into our heart, waiting to come into our home. So when he comes into our home, it's, you know, as a Christian believer, oh, yeah, come and make yourself at home, sit down here, be comfortable. But then we go back into our rooms, you know, whether it's our kitchen, our bedroom, our closet, whatever. And Jesus comes knocking. And our initial, oh, wait, wait, Jesus, um, you don't want to come in here. It's a little messy. And um, wait, wait, you're, you're going to come in my kitchen. You're going to get into my refrigerator. Um, why don't you leave that with me and you go back to the to the living room. I'm just sharing an illustration. It's a little bit funny, but sure. but this is oftentimes how we relate to Jesus. And when Jesus is knocking at our door and wanting to come into our heart and life, he's wanting aspect. He's wanting entrance into every aspect of our life. That includes what happens in the kitchen, what happens in the dinner table. Uh, I think it's 
1 Corinthians 10, 31, that says, whether you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. So does it really matter what I eat and drink? Does this bring glory to God? You know, we could talk about other other situations in the Bible where, you know, eating and drinking didn't bring glory to God. Because, you know, Christians have this hierarchy. Many Christians have this hierarchy. This is clearly important to God. I should not kill someone. But it was okay for me to yell at the UPS guy for, for, right. for being late. It wasn't okay that you, you, you're living by some of the word, not, not by every word. You're forgetting all that part that, that speaks of loving your fellow man and treating people with kindness and compassion and so forth. We shouldn't, we shouldn't uh, have any kind of hierarchy. It's all important. It's all important. Uh, we, we had a pastor, and, and you, you know, I just love these questions. Well, is this salvational? I just loved what the pastor said. It's all salvational. Mm-hmm. And, and he's, not, he's not getting nitpicky and saying everything is life and death. But, but he is in as much as if it's an outflow of your relationship with God, it matters. So it impacts your relationship with God and your relationship with God, that's salvation or salvational. So I really like the emphasis encouraging a person to, to bring their entire life, yes. which, is, which is what Christianity is. Yes. It's very interesting um, that Jesus tells us in his word um, when he comes back, I want to bring this focus to this, you know, there's going to be, you know, when he comes back, People saying, why, why aren't you, you know, why aren't you taking me to heaven, you know, yeah. basically. And he's like, you know, well, as you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. You know, our works matter, but there's something that's even more significant. What's that? He's going to come back, and there's going to be people say, wait, 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 wait. Why aren't you taking me to heaven? I was doing all the right things. I was paying my tithe, and I was doing this, and, and going to church on this. I was doing all the right things. And he says, but I didn't know, didn't you. know you. I didn't know you. And so I like to bring this whole daring to live by every word back to the fact of the relationship. And as we live by God's word, living by God's word is really a way of worshiping God. It is how we worship God. It's not the way we worship God. How we live God's word is how we worship him. It's not just about going to church. It's not just about getting down on your knees and praying in the morning or the evening. It's about how we honor his word. Be doers of the word, not just hearers only. Amen. Let me ask you this. Someone who's going through a, a, a difficult, difficult time. Um, you've spoken about the refiner's fire. Mm-hmm. We don't have long, but if we take that time to talk about this, I think it'll be really, really helpful. Tell me. So significant. I had a very uh, transformational experience that did happen uh, um, a few years ago, and that had to do with a loved one family member that had been diagnosed with what we thought was going to be terminal. And at the time, you know, just crying out to God, you know, like, Lord, you can't, you can't take her from us. Lord, please don't let the, I mean, I know it happens to other people, but don't let it happen to us. And so I'm wrestling, 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 and weeping and crying, and I just feel like the whole world's crashing in on me. And God... Let me cry for a little bit of time. But then as I began listening to him, he began speaking to my heart. And he says, you, know, you remember Daniel's three friends that faced the fiery furnace? You know, Daniel 3, verses 17 and 18, you know, we read the story. And they had a crisis that they were faced. And basically, the king uh, Nebuchadnezzar told them, if you do not bow down and worship me, or not worship me, worship the golden image, you're going to be thrown into the fiery furnace. Well, Daniel's three friends had a very profound answer. They said, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And 
he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, he will, we will not bow down. And so that really impacted me at that moment. God said, Melody, I'm able to deliver. Do you believe that? Do you trust me? But will you trust me even if I don't deliver? And I was just like waving my white hanky and I'm just like, yes, Lord, I trust you. I will believe you. And this whole thing, I'll close with this. I have a, I have a hanky here and it says the truth that sets us free. Mm. Yes, Lord. Amen. Yes, Lord. Okay. I carry this in my Bible and I obviously used it today. But the truth that sets us free. Will I trust God no yeah. matter what? Yes, Lord. Yeah. Amen. Okay, how do we get your books? Daring to Live by Every Word and Daring um, to Ask for More. Where do we get them? How do we get them? Amazon probably would be the best place. Okay, Amazon. <laughs> if you go to Amazon, you can get anything in the world there, including these two books by Melody Mason, Daring to Live by Every Word and Daring to Ask for More. We've got 60 seconds. Last thoughts. Hmm. Prayer, prayer ministry. What's that last thought you'd like to leave with somebody? John 6.37 has a beautiful promise. We often feel like we're not worthy to come to God. I'm not, I'm not good enough. I'm not this. Jesus says in his word, him that comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. So anyone that is longing, anyone that's thirsty, anyone, anyone that's hungry for more, you go to him, he will not turn you away. Even a sinful, wicked person. He came to, he came to save sinners. If you're not a sinner, you don't qualify. <laughs> Amen. Fantastic. Melody, this has been a joy. Uh, I'm, I'm grateful. What's, what's next for you? What, what are you busy with right now? Well, um, all kinds of things, preparing for some big prayer initiatives coming up, and um, just going forward as God leads. Yeah. Well, I'm Journey grateful. of faith. <laughs> Thank God for you. I want to remind you again about the books, Daring to Live by Every Word. That'll challenge you but it'll grow you as well and probably speak to some parts of your life that maybe maybe you need to have spoken to. And uh, daring to ask for more, let's pray big prayers. Remember who God is. God is God. The heaven of heavens cannot contain him. Amen. He can and is willing to answer your prayers. She is Melody Mason. I am John Bradshaw. This has been Conversations brought to you by It Is Written. Mm-hmm.